See, there's good and there's God. Dads, look at me. It's a lot of good your families can chase. There's one God to chase. You allow all the good to be chased. Hmm. God's going to take a back seat to all that. And you're going to model that for your children. Don't do that. Now, I understand, man. I love sports. Woo, we talk sports all day. Me, UK, we sit around, we can talk sports. I love sports. But this world can't make you bad. It will make you busy. The enemy's greatest tactic is to keep the church so busy it can't have church. Hey guys, this is Pastor Tommy. Thanks for joining us today at the church at Bushland. Man, we pray that your faith will be encouraged and inspired from today's message. What a sweet time. Church, you may be seated. I want to say good morning and welcome to our church online. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. You're so faithful every week. Uh, we see the numbers. We see that. And we thank you for being a part of our church. And we don't take that lightly uh, at all. And good to see everyone in the house. Good crowd today. Um, so I'm in a series right now. Um, we've been in it all fall. We started uh, Labor Day weekend. We looked at the church, what God intended when he saved us, um, what, what he meant when he raised up the church when, and all of that stuff. We looked at all that. Then, then the marriage retreat was kind of the halfway part. Uh, we took communion that Sunday and then we reset for the second half. And so the second half, I simply looked at it and it's called to the church in America. It's as if God would take a piece of paper and he would pin to the church a word. If God was to write to the church today, what would he write to the church? What would he write? What would he write to the church? It would be different than what he wrote to the first church. Or would it be? Well, look at that, okay? What would he write to the church? Would he warn us of anything? Would he encourage us in any way? Would he push us to something? Would he say, stop doing this and start doing that? What would God write to the church today if he was take a pen? And so today, I've entitled the message simply, The Great Comeback. Everybody loves a comeback, all right? Unless you're on the other side of it, all right? But everybody loves a comeback. You know what the church needs today? It needs to come back. The church needs to come back, man. The church needs to come back to the king. How far have we drifted? How far have we went? Are we where we need to be? Are we chasing what we need? Are we, are we doing what we need to be doing? Are we just doing what we want to do? Chasing what we want to chase? Chasing what everybody tells us to chase? Are we chasing what God says chase and do what God says do and establish this in my church and raise this up in my church? I've watched some church services online. <laughs> they scare me and I'm pretty mature. I'm like, what? I, I don't even know. I don't even know if that's church. I'm serious. There's some stuff that is allowed and done to draw a crowd. Mm. How you catch them is how you keep them. That's the truth. Be careful what you use to catch because you will have to continue to use that to keep them. I don't know that Jesus needs 
trick. He's enough. He's enough, my friend. The Bible tells me if you raise up Jesus, he'll draw all men and women, boys and girls to him. He told disciples, it didn't smell very good, to drop their nets and follow him. And them dudes said, they dropped them nets and they followed him. I think if Jesus were to ask the church to drop their net and follow him, the church would negotiate. We ain't making a car deal here. We're following a king, amen? When the king says drop your net and follow him, I think you ought to drop your net and follow him. To the church in America, come back. Just come back to me, man. Little church, big church, come back. A lot of scripture today. We're gonna start in James. If you got your Bible, I hope it's yours. If you got your phone, get it ready. Um, a lot of scripture today. Gonna take you New Testament, back to old, back to new, back to old. We're gonna practice our Bible today, all right? If you like the Bible, you came to the right church. If you don't like the Bible, you got a couple of seconds to get out of here, all right? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean that. I want you to stay, okay? But we love the Bible here, okay? So look at James chapter four. James chapter four. Look at verses seven and eight. James four, seven and eight. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you're double-minded. When you read scripture, you always read it for yourself. I know that. I, I read it for Jeff. But you ever read it like from a church's perspective? He says, come near to God. Hey, church, come near to God. Hey, church, wash your hands. Purify your hearts, church. That's what he's saying. Come back, church. Draw near to me. See, his invitation for you as the little church is the same invitation for you as a big church. Hey, church, come back to me. Come back. We drifted. You're doing stuff that, you, that I never intended. You're burning a lot of energy doing a lot of things that they're not gonna do anything for you. They're just like punching the air, man. You're gonna be tired, but you're not gonna make any penetration to it. They're not even gonna know you're there. Come back. So let me ask you, little church, have you drifted? Have you drifted from the Lord, man? Have you gone away? You still know him. He's still your savior. You're still saved. You're born again, but you drifted. The world, man, I'm telling you, the world can sell it. It's good. It can make it look good. But the best thing is him. Best thing's him. Best thing's him. Go all the way to Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy, chapter six. Tommy led with the children's thing with this just a second ago, but I want you to see it again. He told you we were gonna double dip, so we got a double dip, amen? Nothing better, chocolate chip double dip. Nah, and lost my crowd on that, I can tell you. All right. Deuteronomy six, look at verse four. Hero Israel. What he's saying is hero church. Hear, O church, the Lord your God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that will give you today will be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That's all the time. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Look at verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land, large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then you will eat and be satisfied. Ooh, do you hear that in America? We all that right there. But listen to what he's saying to us. But be careful, verse 12. Be careful, America. Be careful, church, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. Be careful, church, that you don't forget the Lord. You're like, how can the church forget the Lord? Oh, pretty easy. Pretty easy, man. We start becoming and being all things to all people. We're nothing to no one. And the one we're supposed to be it to is Jesus. That's who it's about. Look at Joshua 24. This is pretty lengthy here. Joshua 24. I want you to stay with me. Joshua 24, verse 13. Going to hear a little bit of the same stuff. Verse 13, chapter 24. So I gave you a land in which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, to live in them and to eat from the vineyards, the olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshiped in the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But look at verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites on whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Look at 16. When the people answered, far be it for us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord, it was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us the entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites and whose land, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Look at Joshua. Joshua trying to talk him out of it because he knows it's going to be tough. Look at verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster upon you and make an end to you after he has been so good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. And watch this. Yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we 
will serve the Lord our God and obey him. Man, that, listen to him. Just, he's trying to tell the people, you don't even know what you're saying. It's going to be tough. The world's going to put all kinds of stuff in front of us. All right? He's saying to the church today, church, you got to serve me. You've got to unapologetically put it down, pour concrete around it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, boy, you're going to have kids. You're going to get, you're going to have jobs. You're going to get schedules. You're going to get assignments. Your kids are going to play sports. They're going to do this, going to do that. You're going to start chasing and Saturdays are going to wear you out. And you're going to roll over and look at your honey curled up in that bed on a cold winter morning and say, oh, ah, let's just sleep in and watch online. It's not the same online. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. And I'm not, this is not guilt. This is the facts. This is what happens. See, there's good and there's God. Dads, look at me. It's a lot of good your families can chase. There's one God to chase. You allow all the good to be chased? Hmm. And God's going to take a back seat to all that. And you're going to model that for your children. Don't do that. Now, I understand, man. I love sports. Woo, we talk sports all day. Me, UK, we sit around, we can talk sports. I love sports. But this world can't make you bad. It will make you busy. The enemy's greatest tactic is to keep the church so busy it can't have church. Listen to me. The greatest weapon the enemy has is to keep the church so busy it can't have church. Do what you're doing today is what you need. This breathes life into you, man. This is what you need. There's good in life and there's God. And you have to decide for your family, okay, what, is, what I'm chasing. Is it God or is it good? Because that's what he's saying. Okay, you, you decided this? Throw away those all, throw those, throw those gods away. Throw them away. Foreign gods. See, we all know nothing about foreign gods. What's he talking about to the church? to the gods of the world, to the world that said, you got to have this, you got to do this, you got to drive this, you got to have this kind of house, you got to have these kind of toys, you got to drive, you got to build a shop. What for? Do shop stuff? No, park all your stuff in. Sorry, love you. It's just truth. Open up the shop. Don't smell like wood, like diesel, all right? 17 four-wheelers, got four kids in your family. I don't even know who's riding them other ones. See what I mean? Go in your garage, got nine bikes, two people that can ride them, two shouldn't, all right? <laughs> Just let that land where it needs. What I'm saying is, that's all this stuff, man. And here's the guilt. But since we spent our hard-earned money that God provided, we need to go play. Uh-huh. You play too long, and it'll become a God in your life. And the God you should serve, mm, that brought you into the land, that gave you that vineyards that you didn't plant, the olives you didn't plant, the cities you didn't establish, all that satisfies you, you didn't do. You're going to forsake that one God. Be careful, man. Come back. Come back to him. Once you go all the way over in your Bible to Revelation, you're like, this dude is taking us on a journey today, right? Revelation. Don't get nervous. I'm not preaching a series out of Revelation. Not yet, anyway, right? So, Revelation chapter 2, look at 4 and 5. 
Mm, he's talking to the little church, talking to the big church here, okay? Revelation 2, 4, and 5. This is a church at Ephesus. And we'll have time to get into that. There's seven churches in Revelation, but this is Ephesus here. Look at verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. The lampstand is the presence of the Lord. Woo! Don't let him remove that from you. The greatest thing we have is the presence of the Lord. The greatest thing is the presence of the Lord. So what needs to change in our nation to get, our nation needs to come back. The right, our nation needs a great comeback as well. What, what needs to happen in our nation? Yes, we need to come back to the written documents that made us who we are. Man, godly men, many of them sitting in churches, wrote these documents. People say, well, we need to rewrite them. No, we don't. You don't need to rewrite them. You need to rewrite you and get up under them. Quit erasing them and get in them. Get under them. Here's a beautiful documents that were given to the children. All right? Moses got 10 commandments. God gave them to him. If we will come back as a nation under these two documents right here, make a world of difference in us. World of difference. Drifted too far, man. You know why? Because people, somebody said, we ought, to do, we ought to do this. We ought to do this. We ought to do this. No, we ought to do that, and you ought to adjust. We're being too nice. Too nice. Listen, I'm all about love and hugs. But sometimes you got to tell people, you lose and you're not right. It's okay. Hug them. They'll get over it, all right? But you can't win everything. All this, everybody gets a ribbon stuff. Boo, I didn't play sports then. Some teams just stink. They don't deserve nothing. They just bad, bad, bad coaching, everything, bad. Don't give them, don't give them nothing. They ain't going to learn if you give them something. Right? I'm not going there. But what I'm saying is, got to come back, got to adjust, got to get back as a nation. So what do we need to do as a church to come back to God? We need to come back to the written document. We have gotten too far from the written document. I was standing right there one time uh, about two years ago, preached the first service, got done. I was in between. I was, I was getting some more water and things like that. And a gentleman walked up to me, never seen him a day in my life and haven't seen him since. Just saying. Walks up to me, and he says this. Really enjoyed your message, but I got to say something to you. So what's that? Love your church, but I'm very surprised that your church is growing like it is, and you preach that much word. Dude, ask my wife. Not speechless very often. I was like, <laughs> did he just say that? He just said that. That dude said that and walked off. I'm surprised your church is growing like it is, preaching that much word. What? I thought that's what we were supposed to do. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I'm not doing anything like rocket science here. God called me to preach the word. Listen, I tried to talk him out of it. He ran me down, boy. He said, I don't care if you stuttered went second grade twice. I don't care all that stuff. You're going to stand and proclaim my word, and I'm going to be your words, man. That way, you'll never beat your chest because you're understanding. Without, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't do it. 
And I say, amen. Listen, the church got to preach the word. That's all we got is the word. We got to get back to that. How do you get back to that? Point number one, real fast. You got to repent. You got to repent. That's a hard word. Most of us know it by pounding and beating and yelling, but that's not how God does it. That's not how God teaches repentance, all right? He, re he teaches repentance out of love, man. Listen to the definition of repentance. To turn from evil and turn to good. Returning to God and turning away from evil. The change in attitude that leads to change in behavior. How do you repent as an individual? Ooh, you're going one way that's opposed to God, that's not for God, that's not with God, and God pricks your heart, and you turn, and you start walking back to God. That's repentance. That's repentance for the individual. That's the repentance for the church. That's the repentance for the nation. It's simple as that. You want to change someone's attitude and behavior? Don't chase attitude and chase behavioral change. Chase the heart. When you change a man's heart, his attitude and behavior will follow. Promise you. You know what else follows when a man changes his heart? His money and what he does with his money. See, if his money is owned by, if his heart's owned by God, his money is owned by God. Just bottom truth. That's bottom line. Absolute truth. We've got to get back to, to repentance. We got to come back to God and say, God, it's not about you blessing what I have. It's about me asking the question, what about me doesn't bless you? That's what it's about. God bless America. No, what about America doesn't bless you, God? God bless the church. No, don't do that. What about the church doesn't bless you? And let the church change so that what? The rivers of heaven and his presence and his Holy Spirit power floods the church. If we'll get back there, oh, we'll see a major difference. And it starts individually. It starts with us individually. I want you to go in your Bible, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Whew, I have got to pick up the pace. Second Chronicles. <laughs> Y'all don't, I do, okay? Second Chronicles, chapter seven. Second Chronicles 7, 14. We know this very well. You've, this is a very familiar text for you, all right? Second Chronicles 7, 14. Listen to the word to the church, to his people. If my people, if you have your own Bible, put a box around my. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their lands. Oh, America, come back to God. Church, come back to God. Individuals, come back to God. He says, if my people, you're not his people unless there's been a day in your life that you have given your life to Christ, that Christ came into you and made you new. He made you whole. He saved you. He, you're born again. Now you're his people. Now you're his people. You bear his name. He says that my people who bear my name, who are my kids, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will, I will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Simple as that. If the church and the people called by God's name in the church will begin to do this, you'll see a nation change. 
See, listen to me. I know electing a president is, is, is important, and I'm not underlining that. But regardless of who we elect to be the next president of the United States, if the, if the, the White House is never intended, nor the person seated there was never intended to lead the nation. What leads the nation is the church. The direction of the nation is the church. If the church will come back to God, the White House will have to follow. Okay, to quit waiting on the White House or some puppet up there to make everything right for you. Get right in your home, get right in the church, and the nation will follow. I promise you. We're wasting a lot of energy, get caught up in a whole lot of whoa, 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 and all this other stuff that's going on. Who's telling the truth? Who's lying? Who's this? Who's this? Who's a pretender? Who's a real deal? Who can we trust? Who can we not trust? God. I tell you who, God. If the church has spent near as much time seeking all that stuff as they do fall on their face and praying to a holy God, it'll change things. Man, we're chasing a bunch of stuff. And who's putting it in front of us? The world. Distraction, 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 distraction. Bait, 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 catch a catfish, eat him. That's what that is. That's what happens. If we will seek the Lord and fall on our face and repent, man, I have stuff to repent from. Each of us have repent, stuff to repent from. Churches have stuff to repent from. We put stuff first that shouldn't be first. The only thing first is Jesus. That's the only thing. You notice a shift in our worship. Our worship is all about singing about who he is. It's all about him. Because, man, when you, that's what we're here for, is to tell him who he is. When we tell him who he is and his greatness and we sing to that, it'll change our lives. He gave us the breath to praise him. If we'll praise him, he'll do all he needs to do through us. But if we sing feel-good songs about us, okay, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna feel good for a little bit until we walk out that door and the world hits us in the mouth and we drop like a bunch of wet pretzels and we don't fight till next Sunday because, oh, I ran out of gas and I need to go to church. You should be running out of gas. Jesus is walking out of here with you. The Holy Spirit said, I'll never leave you, man. I'm the power inside of you. You can have church everywhere. Second thing, first thing, you gotta repent. The church has to repent. We have to repent. Secondly, consecrate or sanctify means sanctify oneself or to make it holy, to separate oneself or be set apart. When you, when you absolutely consecrate yourself, and you, you have to set yourself apart from what? From other things, from places you go, people you hang out with, things you watch, things you see, things you listen to. If you're born again, child of the king, it should have cost you something. If it did not, question whether you met Jesus. Because meeting Jesus changes your lives and it ought to change everything. And if it didn't cost you something, you got to wonder, if it cost him something, why didn't it cost me something? Joshua 3, 5 says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things in you. Amazing things among you. What are you missing today? Because you won't consecrate yourself. You won't clean yourself. You won't clean your house. You won't clean your heart. You won't repent of something. If you repent of stuff and put stuff back where it needs to be and let God do the, do the cleaning of your heart and reset your life, maybe God will just open up the windows of heaven. Maybe he will show you stuff you've never seen before, but you've always hungered for. Some of what holds back God is our stubbornness and our pride. Why are we so stubborn in pride, man? We're prideful. We think we already know everything. 
Then we're too big for our britches. We don't need to do this. We're cocky. We're arrogant. America helps make us that, okay? But God says, humble yourself and come to me. Come to me. God's eternal purpose, God's idea, his true for individuals as well as for the church. A very familiar passage is John 15, the vine and the branches. I kind of rewrote verses four, five, and eight because I wrote it to the church. And I want, I'm gonna read it to you. I want you to hear it this way. Verse four, John 15. Church, remain in me and I will remain in the church. No church can bear fruit by itself. The church must remain in the vine. Neither can the church bear fruit unless the church remains in me. I am the vine. The church is the branches. If the church remains in me and I in the church, the church will bear much fruit. But apart from me, the church will do nothing. Verse eight, this is to my Father's glory that the church bear much fruit, showing itself to be my church. That's it, man. For us, a little church, for us as a corporate church. Any church that chooses to remain in me, to abide in me, what is that? That's his presence. Real quick, I wanna tell this, because I did the first service several years ago. I was showing an insurance guy around the church from Oklahoma. He walked in those doors over there to my left. I was just talking like he was right beside me because he was. But I look over and he's not there and I'm talking to myself and I felt weird. He stopped about right there and I'm over here. I turn around and this cowboy from Oklahoma is doing this. And I said, you good? He said, oh, I'm good. He said, that's the presence of the Lord, boy. It's thick in here. Tuesday morning, about 9.30. He said this, pastor, it always like this? I said, it's always like this. It's always like this. He said, wow, that's worth the drive from Oklahoma. I said, many think so. Without the presence of the Lord, Mm, church ain't got nothing. Apart from me, church, you can do nothing. The greatest thing you can do as a little church is to be in the presence of the Lord. Mm, any church that remains in me, abides in me, is presence. Any church that will listen to my voice, any church that will obey his word, he will guide that church and that church will bear much fruit, much fruit. The great comeback, mm. yeah, the church needs to come back. I'm gonna invite you to stand, church. I wanna ask you, if we're gonna experience the great comeback, mm, we need to repent, amen? We need to repent and come back to the Father. I want you just right where you are. It's no longer, okay, this is not the question at this point. The question is not, God bless me. The question is, individually, God, what in me does not bless you? 
We, listen, I love to be blessed too, but I was created to be a blessing to him. Amen. So I often ask myself, God, what in me doesn't bless you? Doesn't bring honor to you? If we're going to get back and come back as a church, we've got to first come back as a people. We've got to quit asking God to bless our mess and say, God, what in me doesn't bless you and make that right. Because when we get that right, he will come to us. He will come to our house. Then he will come to the church house and he will come to the nation and he will heal our land. So all throughout this altar right here, it's just an opportunity for us to come and lay it before him. God, this doesn't, I know this in my life does not bless you. And so God, I'm gonna leave it right here. And it's not gonna go with me. I'm gonna go back to my seat, but I'm gonna leave it here. All throughout this worship scene, that's what it's about. Repentance is not beating you up. Repentance is in love. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. So I'm gonna pray over us and we're gonna worship. If you're on the ministry team, you come on down. There are gonna be people here that will pray over you, that'll agree with you. But if there's stuff in your life, man, that's keeping you from being all that God wants for you, for experiencing all that God has for you, lay it down. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for illuminating what you illuminate. Thank you for shedding light on what you shed light on. Thank you for speaking into me where you spoke. And God, I'm not gonna act like I didn't hear that. I'm gonna respond to that out of obedience because I can trust you and I can trust the Holy Spirit. You are good. You are good. You are good. And I'm coming to you this morning, God, to repent of stuff in my life. And I don't wanna carry it anymore because I want you to be blessed in my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's worship. If you need to come, church, you come. Hey, thanks for joining us today here at the Church at Bushland online. Hey, if you were inspired by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop a message in the comments or you could email us at info at bushland.com. We'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. Also, man, if there's anything we could agree for in prayer with you guys, just text the word pray to 806-557-1800. We believe there's power in agreement um, with the Lord. And so um, if we could pray for you, just do that for us. Um, and if you'd like to connect further with us through social media, uh, just search the church at Bushland. You can find out more things that are coming up here um, and get involved that way. And then if you'd like to plan a visit, uh, we'd love to see you face-to-face. -face. We have services here, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. You can go to our website, thechurchatbushland.com, and plan that visit, and we look forward to meeting you that way. Finally, man, just thanks again for joining us. Pray your faith was encouraged, and we look forward to journeying with you in the days ahead. So have a blessed day.